0: Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Psalm 15. Um, I was planning to get back to Ephesians tonight, but I... um, I was kind of overdoing, uh, overestimating what I could accomplish in a week, (laughs) Um, uh, because uh, with our Christmas Eve service and Christmas and family get-togethers and traveling and all of those things, um, I if if I would have jumped into Ephesians tonight, I would not have been ready for it. Um, But there's there's a passage that I have actually had on my heart that I've wanted to share for a little while. Um that uh, I've preached before, not here, um, but it's been on my mind, and I was just looking for the right opportunity and, and tonight's that night. Um, Psalm 15, um, it, it asks a question, who can dwell with God? who can, who can be with God? Who can be in God's presence? Uh, do you want to be there? Do you want to be in God's presence? That's what this psalm is asking. Who can be with God? And if we just read this text right here, without looking at the rest of the Bible, it can do one of two things. One, it can leave us devastated, thinking I will never measure up. Or the other can leave us prideful thinking, well, I think I'm doing pretty good. But we need to see this in the context of the entire Bible. So first, we're going to look at it with this, with this idea of just focusing in on what is this text saying by itself, and then we'll back up and we'll look at what it, what it means in the context of all of Scripture. Psalm 15, beginning at verse 1. A Psalm of David. O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change, who does not put out money, his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. Let's pray. Father, we pray that You would give us eyes to see, And ears to hear as Your voice speaks to us tonight through the Scriptures. We pray that You might humble us. We pray that You might comfort us. And Father, I pray that You would give me strength and grace as I preach Your Word. In Jesus' name, Amen. So he begins, it's a psalm of David, David uh, probably was the author of this, uh, I say probably only because there's a little bit of ambiguity there, whenever you see a psalm of David, uh, in the Hebrew text, it's um, a psalm with a preposition, David, and that preposition can mean two or four. so there is some question of ambiguity: Is this really a psalm of David that he wrote, or is this a psalm uh, that is dedicated to David for David? You know, the scholars debate that. I, I go with the traditional view that David was the author of this. That he there's no reason why uh, he shouldn't. And most of these psalms that we see that are Davidic, they use that same kind of language that says a psalm uh, two or four David. Um, But here we get to the meat. O Lord, who shall sojourn in Your tent? And who can dwell on Your holy hill? We think here of the tent, uh, the God's tent, right? Who Who can sojourn in Your tent? Sojourning, of course, to travel along. And in those days, in David's lifetime, the temple had not yet been built. It had not yet been in one place. They traveled along with the tabernacle. They carried God's tent along with them. And David asked the question, who can dwell, who can sojourn in your tent? Who can travel along with you as, as, as your tent moves along, the tabernacle moves along with your people? And who can dwell on your holy hill? Uh, I think David looks forward to a time whenever the temple will be built and there will be a permanent place there for his people to come and worship. But he's asking, who is worthy to come in and and dwell and sojourn with God? Who is worthy? Is Worthy to be able to to dwell on God's holy hill. And, And we might ask ourselves this question, like the psalmist is asking, who is worthy to be able to go to heaven? Who can be with God? Who can stand in His presence? Let's listen to his answer here from the psalm. He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. He walks blamelessly. Walking has the idea of a course of behavior, a lifestyle. Uh, It has the idea of of our behavior. Someone who has a behavior and a lifestyle that's blameless, that's perfect, never does anything wrong. You know, if you know anybody like that, you probably hate them, right? (laughs) Never they they never do anything wrong, goody two shoes, right? (laughs) So in order to dwell with God here, it says, you've got to walk blameless. And it says, uh, to do what is right, to do the right thing. Righteousness is the idea of, of conforming to a moral standard. Uh, and in order to, to do what is right, you have to be to do the right thing all the time, all the time, never having any failures. And, and he says, in order to be the one who dwells with God, in order to be the one who, who dwells in His tent and, and on His holy hill, says you, you've got to speak truth in your heart. Speak truth in your heart. Now we think, well, I'm a pretty honest guy. I don't usually go around lying to people all the time, but he's not talking about speaking truth to your neighbor. He's talking about, talking about speaking truth in your heart. And how oftentimes we lie to ourselves. We think, oh, well, you know, this will be okay or, or that will be. And we lie to ourselves. And what is it that Jeremiah says? The heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? <laughs> We're. We ought to be, if we're, if we're hear, hearing this question, who can go to heaven? Who can dwell with God? And we're hearing answers like, you've got to walk blamelessly. You've got to do what's right all the time. You've got to speak truth in your heart. It ought to leave us pretty down. <laughs> I know it does for me. I'm a little hoarse right now, so I don't know. Uh, I know it would for me. I don't do everything right all the time. And sometimes I deceive myself. Let's keep going. Verse three. He doesn't slander with his tongue. And he does no evil to his neighbor. And he doesn't take up a reproach against his friend. We think of, of slandering as, as going out and spreading stories about somebody. Uh, but how often do we fall into gossip? And, and we may, maybe not even real, really mean to do it, or we know that gossiping is a sin, and so we'll say, well, you know, I don't mean to gossip, but did you hear this? <laughs> or, well, it's not really gossiping if you call it a prayer request, right? <laughs> he doesn't slander... With his tongue, he doesn't do evil to his neighbor. Well, you think I'm a pretty nice guy, I'm not gonna go out and do anything evil to my neighbor, I'm not gonna go out and hit him or anything like that. You know, Jesus lifts that standard so high. He says, If you've ever uh, said you fool to your brother, you're in danger of hellfire, right? Nor takes up a reproach against his friend verse 4 in whose eyes a vile person is despised but who honors those who fear the lord boy this causes some consternation to think about this who can go to heaven who can dwell with god it's one who in whose eyes a person a vile person is despised who hates bad people <laughs> wow we think god wants us to love everyone right god wants us to love everyone how can this be That the Bible here is telling us in whose, the person who's good, the person who can dwell with God is the person who, in whose eyes a vile person is despised. And then it follows that up and says, but who honors those who fear the Lord. I think these things are set in contrast. I don't think we should read that, that first part by itself. I, with it with the with it set up in a parallel there with <coughs> who honors those who fear the lord i I think what we see here is it 's a person who judges rightly and, and, and who who is going to honor those who are good godly people and who are, who are not going to put honor on those who are not godly they 're judging and evaluating things properly according to the truth, according to the standard of truth. The last part of verse 4 Who swears to his own hurt and doesn't change? <coughs> How oftentimes somebody. What makes it hard to keep a promise? Because sometimes we make a promise and things don't go the way we thought they would. And then it's going to end up hurting us in the long run to keep that promise, right? Things, you know, so, so maybe that's why Jesus said it's better not to swear at all. Because we don't know what kind of events might happen. We won't be able to keep our word. Here He says the, that one who can dwell with God is the one who swears to his own hurt. Who swears somebody binds himself by an oath and, and then the circumstances are such that, that that swearing is going to cause him to, to br- have maybe financial ruin. And yet he still goes through and he keeps his promise. Would we do that kind of thing? Would we, would we follow through with that? Our laws provide a kind of an out. You know, when we sign that receipt, when we use a credit card, we're promising, I'm going to pay that. I'm going to pay that. And we have every intention to doing so. And then our bills mound up and mound up and mound up and mound up and it becomes to where it's this impossible thing and we'll think, well, at least whenever I'm dead, I won't owe them anymore. He swears to his own hurt and doesn't change his mind. Verse 5, who does not put out his money and interest. Thank you, Amanda. Who does not put out his money at in interest and doesn't take a bribe against the innocent? Now, you know, interest is a part of our society today. I mean, it's part of our economy. You know, you're going to be paying interest if you get a credit card. You're going to be earning interest if you have a savings account. If you have a good savings account, <laughs> you get a CD or something like that. You're going to be earning something. What does the Bible have against interest? Well, in that society, in that time, to to be charging interest would be like what we might call usury. It's it's uh, or what what uh, I, I think they talk about in in, uh, in the news today as predatory lending lending money to people who can't afford to pay it back and then charging exorbitant interest rates so that they will get, find themselves in, in a cycle of just having to pay and pay and pay and they'll never get out of debt. The Bible condemns that kind of predatory lending uh, and does not take a bribe against the innocent isn't going to uh, take a financial incentive to be be bribed, to be persuaded to, to do something that isn't right. And he ends this, He who does these things shall never be moved. He who does these things shall never be moved or never be shaken, some translations say. He'll be firm. He'll be established. Well, think about all these things. And I have not held my cards close to my chest here. I've been letting you know all along where I'm going with this. We can't do it. We can't do it. We fall short. We hold up the standard that Jesus gave in the Sermon on the Mountain. And you've heard that it was said, you shall not murder. I say to you, you whoever says... Raka, you fool, to his brother is in danger of hell. You've heard that it was said, you shall not lie, but I say to you, don't even swear. Don't make an oath at all. And all these things, the standard is so much higher. The standard is something that is impossible for us to reach. So remember back in the beginning I said, if we look at this passage just by itself, we don't look at the rest of the Bible... Well, we'll be, we'll be one of two things. We'll either be devastated because I can never ever reach that. How can I ever be able to dwell with God because I can't reach that? Or we can be prideful. We can think, I can, I'm doing pretty good. And the only way you can be prideful is if you lower the standard. <laughs> you think, well, I'm... the only way you can think I'm doing pretty good is if you don't really see the standard as what Jesus put forth in His Word. I'm going to say, that even the Proverbs, or even the Psalms themselves don't intend us to read it that way. If we look just a page over, if you look at chapter 14, Psalm 14, and beginning in verse 2, it says, The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there is any who understand, any who seek after God. They've all turned aside. Together they become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. They're right next to each other in the Bible. Chapter 14 comes right before chapter 15. So we hear this, (coughs) no one does good. And then we hear the very next chapter says, who can sojourn in your tent? And then we, we hear this description of someone who does good all the time. Who never fails. I don't think the psalmist intended us to see it that way. And then the very next chapter, chapter 16, we see verse 7. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night and also in my my heart. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Because He is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. The, 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 the last verse of chapter 15, what did it say? He who does these things shall not be shaken. Verse chapter 16, because the Lord is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. I think even the psalmist himself knew the standard is high. None of us meets it. And we see what Amy read from the book of Hebrews. It's Jesus who is our great High Priest who has paved the way so that we can come boldly before the Father not on the basis of our good works, but on the basis of Jesus' blood. Because uh, on the basis that Jesus died for our sins, that He was our substitute, that He was our payment for our sins, and because of what Jesus did, we can boldly approach the Father through Jesus Christ. I look at Psalm 15 and I think this is a standard that is so high and so unachievable that none of us could ever reach it And I look at that and I think, how do you preach the Gospel from that? Well, Jesus didn't seem to have a problem in the Sermon on the Mount. He lifted the standard high to show us we could never meet it. We could never meet it. Only He could. Jesus was the One who walked blamelessly and always did what was right. Jesus was the One who spoke truth in His heart When Satan came to him in the garden, or not in the garden, in the wilderness, tempting him, he tried to deceive him, he tried to twist the scripture, and Jesus spoke the truth in his heart. He knew himself better than any of us know ourselves. Jesus was the one who does not slander with His tongue. Jesus was one who does no evil to His neighbor. Jesus was one who, did not, who does not take up a reproach against His friend. Jesus is one who in His eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. Isn't that he, he, he judged righteously about character. Jesus is the one... Who swears to his own hurt and does not change? I think there, when Abraham made a covenant, when God made a covenant with Abraham, when God made a covenant with Abraham, if you read that passage in Genesis about the covenant that was made with Abraham, they had to cut these animals. They had to cut. I think it was a maybe a bull. I can't remember exactly, a bull and and some turtle doves. And in the way that would make a covenant is they would divide these animals, and then both parties of the treaty would have to walk through the animals and say, Whatever happened if this covenant be broken on my behalf, whatever happened to these animals, let it happen to me. And God didn't let Abraham go through the animals. He put Abraham through a deep sleep, and God passed through the, the two halves of the animals in making that covenant with Abraham. And in that, it, it, it looks forward to the time when God Himself swore to His own hurt. His people had broken the covenant, and He was the one who was came, coming to mend things. He took upon the cross. He took upon our sin, our guilt, our, all of our, the punishment that we deserve because He was one who swore to His own hurt and didn't change. Who does not put out His money at interest. Who doesn't take a bribe against the innocent. Oh, but one of His disciples did. Judas took a bribe. Against the innocent. He who does these things will never be moved. Only Jesus fulfills what Psalm 15 does. Only Jesus fulfills this. Only Jesus could be what's in this picture. And we can dwell with God. We can can make our home with God because of what Jesus did on the cross. Because of what Jesus did. If we put our faith in Him, like it says in chapter 16, I have set the Lord always before me. Because He's at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. When you put your faith in Jesus, He's right there with us. And we shall not be shaken. So, when we hear this passage, there are two things we can do. One, well, three things. One, we can sit back and think, I don't know, preacher. I'm doing pretty good. I don't know. I'm a good person. Or, we can be devastated but still not turn to Christ. Think, oh, I I can't ever meet that. There's no good. I'll not even try. Or we can look to Jesus. We can look to Him, the one with His arms open wide, pleading for sinners to come to Him. Look to Jesus. Look to Him tonight. Listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church in Panama. For more information, please visit us at redeemerbaptistpanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.